0: For some weeks now, we've been speaking on the glory of God, and I'm stirred up about it in my spirit. I believe that we are living in the days of the manifestation of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. We have seen some things, and I believe we're going to see a whole lot more manifestations of the glory of God. But you know, uh, so many times people, when you talk about things like that, they don't think that we have anything to do with it. They think, well, you know, great, I'm waiting on God as soon as he gets ready to do things. But no, we have a part to play and faith gets ready. Yes. Faith. faith prepares. Amen. So many times things are not happening in people's lives because they're not ready. Right. Things are not happening in churches. Because the people are not ready. They're not ready. You know, it actually can be the mercy of God that you don't have something happen rather than God doing something and you rejecting it. Right. Yes. Then you're responsible for it. Did you hear me? There's been numerous times. I've been involved in some situations where God moved powerfully and people rejected it. Because they weren't ready for it, they were too carnal in their life, and they just didn't think right, their minds not been renewed with the word, so they think worldly and ungodly, a bunch of religious stuff that is not godly, that is not the Bible, and so they reject it. Well, when you do, you know, when you refuse what the Lord has said and done, then there's only one thing that remains, and that's darkness. When you turn away from the light, it's just darkness. You turn away from the truth. It's like this, you know, uh, how do people get deceived? People think, you know, well, bless the hearts, the devil just deceived them. Well, no, you got deceived because you rejected light. Yes. Amen. Hosea says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but that's not the end of the verse. It says, because you have rejected yes. knowledge. And when you see the truth, but you don't want that to be the truth. You don't want that to be it. And you say, no, I'm not going to accept that. Well, what else is there? If you refuse the truth, what else is there? There's nothing else but lies and deception. And the moment you refuse the truth, the enemy's right there to give you a lie, give you something else. So humility is such a big part of it. When the, you know, all of us, we just know in part. And uh, when you get light, it can show up things in your life that you thought wrong. That you were wrong. That you've done wrong. What's it time to do when the light shows up things in your life? Receive it. Humble yourself. Repent. Say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. Sometimes you have to say grandma was wrong. Mom and daddy was wrong. Did you hear me? And you're right. Sometimes you have to say our denomination was wrong. Did you hear me? Our church was wrong. You have to admit it. Sometimes you have to say, I've thought that way for 20 years, but I'm wrong. Because the Bible says this. And the Word says this. And when you do. Oh, hallelujah. When you do, God gives grace to the humble. And then he gives more light. And you begin to come up and you come out. And you live strong. Live free. Live blessed. So we desire. The manifestation of the glory of God. But we have something to do with it. We're preparing. For the manifestation. The greater manifestation. Of the glory of God. Read with me in John 14 please. Let's pray just a moment further in agreement and faith. And then we'll read this. John 14. Father we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for our health and our strength. Our brightness of mind, our understanding, thank you that our name is in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for the blood that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you that our past is gone, that you've washed us and set us free. Enlighten our eyes today and our heart and our understanding. Quicken us. Let there come revelation of truth that makes free. Show us any changes that should be made. And we'll not be hearers only. We purpose not to be rebellious, but we'll be receivers and we'll be believers and we'll be doers of what you say by your grace. And we know as we do, you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives and we will be blessed in Jesus name. Amen. John 14, John 14 verse 15. I'm reading now the Amplified. He said, if you really love me. You will keep, you'll obey my commands. Then he went on to say, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. So how do we know how much us or anybody else loves God? It's directly revealed by your obedience to his written word and what he says to you by his spirit. No such thing as you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're rebellious. And don't do what he tells you to do. Just can't be. And the more you love God, it's demonstrated in how far you go in obedience. Down in verse uh, 21. 21. He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them. He it is that loves me. Said it again. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him glory every time I read that I really like it don't you are you interested in this the amplified says the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who uh, really loves me and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will show myself I'll reveal and manifest myself to him The Amplified says, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Now, what's more important to the real child of God than that? That God makes himself real to you, shows himself, reveals himself to you so that you know him closer and better than you did before. He's more real to you. We know God is real, but can he be more real to you? Oh, yeah, we walk with him by faith. Can we know more about him? Problem is that so many know so little of him. And actually, the Lord has been misrepresented. He's been misrepresented by churches, by preachers, and by Christians. There's a whole lot of people, they're not Christians because they have relatives that are. Did you hear me? And they think, hey, if God is like that, I don't want him. If God's like Uncle Joe, if God's like Mama, if God's like, you know, Aunt Mildred, then I, no, I don't want that. But he's not like the ignorance and the judging of flesh, right? The critical people and, and holier than thou. And, and he's not like that. He's not mean. He's not cruel. He's not hard. He's good. Come on now, somebody that knows him a little bit. Is he good? He's good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. Tender mercies. Faithful. He's good. How many can testify and say, he's been good to me? Oh, he's been good to me. He's been good to my family. He's been good to me. Hmm. We could just shout the rest of the service about how he's been good. Because how many understand, except for his goodness and mercy, this would be an empty place this morning. Because we'd all be long gone. Right? We'd have perished many different ways long ago. But here we are. Here we are. Still here. Still going strong. And the best is yet to come. Said out loud. God's good. He's really, really good. He's good. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, glory makes me just want to praise him a little bit. God, you're so good. Thank you for being so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord. Thank you. Oh, you've been so good, so faithful, so kind, so gracious. Truly, you're a good God. Truly, you're a good God. You're a good God. The psalmist said, God is good and doeth good. That's what he does. If it's good, it was God. If it's bad, that's between you and the devil. Right? <laughs> Turn back to John 11, please. You're there close by. John 11. And verse 40, well, verse 39, we can read too. This is the account of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. And Jesus came, you know, to the grave, the tomb, and he told him in verse 39, he said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for days. Well, of course, everybody knows that's too late for God then, right? (laughs) Huh? Huh? Does it get too late? Friend, you got to watch out for this because so many times the enemy will try to get you to believe it's too late. It's gone too far. It's been too long. You've messed up too much. It's just too late. You tell him he's a liar and to shut up and get out of your face. That with God, with God, it's not too late. With God. Nothing is too hard or too difficult or impossible. Somebody needs to say it out loud. It's not too late. It's not too, late. It's not too, far, gone. It's not too far gone. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. How quickly can God change? God can raise the dead. Hmm. But you might be tempted to say it's too late. There ain't no pulse. Body's cold and stiff. And Stinks. Well, it's definitely too late. He's been dead for days. Decomposition has already begun. You can smell. He smells. And you don't have to be dead to smell. (laughs) You can have other dead stuff in your life. And spiritually, you stink. Because you've just gone too far the wrong way. But no matter how. And other people might have given up on you. I mean your own folks might have given up on you. And you know in the natural with some good reason. Because you've just been a heathen. Rebellious. You stink. But even if you stink. It's not too late. Even if you stink it's not too late. God can raise the dead. He can take what is Ruined and rotten, yeah, yeah. and recreate it. Change it. He can make the bitter sweet. Yes. Thank you, Lord. He can make the dead to live again. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That includes dead relationships, yeah. right. Amen. dead ministries, yes. dead churches. Yes. Did you hear me? Yes, People that feel dead in their soul. Yeah. Deadness. Is not an impossibility for our God. Aren't you glad you serve the God? The living God who made the heavens and the earth, who created life, who can raise the dead and does. He said, take away the stone. And Martha said, Lord, basically she's saying it's too late. You know, they had already said it other times. You know, you should have come earlier. Right? You should have been here earlier because basically now it's too late. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, said I not to you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. The Holy Ghost is saying some things right now. There's some people watching the internet. There's some people in here. This is not your home church. But you feel like your church is dead. And maybe it has been. But it's not too late. I said it's not too late. God can revive. And awake the sleeping. God can raise the dead. So don't give up. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on your friends. Don't say well they've forgotten God. It's all. It's too late. No it's not too late. Well they stink. Well I know it. But it's not too late. There was a time you stunk too. Yeah. Somebody say it's not too, it's not too late. See, don't give up. God, God can do amazing miracles of things that seemed hopeless and too far gone. Uh, it's important that some people that are hearing this this morning, that you not give up on your church, that you not give up on your people because you're one of the few that are believing. Did you hear me? A lot of the other people are not even trying. They've just quit. So it's important that you don't quit too. You know, hear what the Lord's saying and stir yourself up and say, no, I'm not going to give up on them. I'm going to keep believing. He said, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. So our faith has something to do with seeing the manifestation of the glory of God. It's not just all up to God and completely apart from us. He said, if we would believe, we would see. So we've gone through some detail over the past several weeks talking about what the glory of God is. And we looked at different manifestations of the glory of God. We saw when they finished the tabernacle and they stood up and praised God, the glory of God was manifested visibly and was so strong that the people fell and couldn't stand up and people couldn't walk into a certain part of the tabernacle or temple. When the temple was finished, same thing. They all stood up and glorified God with one voice and with unity and one accord. And the glory of God came and covered the place and filled the place. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is a manifestation of the spirit of God, of the presence of God, of the greatness of God. You know, in the natural, you see examples of it. How many ever saw a picture at least of the space shuttle taken off? Huh? How many know there's some power there? There's got to be a lot of power to get all that weight straight up, mile after mile after mile, away from the bonds of uh, gravity and out of this earth's atmosphere. It takes a lot of power. And when they fire those things off, have you ever noticed them? Have you ever seen any pictures of them? I mean, they fire those thrusters. I mean, all that liquid oxygen lights off and it begins to blow out. No telling how many Tons and tons and tons of thrust. And when it does, have you noticed what else happens? All this smoke begins to come out. Have you seen that? All this white because all that hot air, you know, hits the cooler air. And all that steam and all that smoke begins to rise up. And I mean, it's this huge white billows of cloud. Have you seen that? Why? Because there's so much power there. Right? You're beginning to see what we're talking about. How many believe God is very, very powerful? How many believe God is much more powerful than the space shuttle? (laughs) Are you kidding? But when God just comes into the room, that same kind of thing can happen. It can get misty. And it can get like a cloud fills the room. Did you hear me? Why? Just because of him being there. His power, his strength, he's so awesome, he's so mighty, his wisdom, his greatness. And his presence, his spirit, his greatness is in different degrees of manifestation. How many would like for us to have services where his presence is so strong and so manifest that we're aware of him only? We just get caught up and preoccupied. With him, Isn't that what he said? If you obey me and if you believe me, I will manifest myself to you. So we're not trying to believe for something that's off the wall here. He told us this is his will or he wouldn't have told us. You do this and I'll do this. I will manifest myself to you. Are we believing for this? This faith comes by hearing. That's why we're preaching and teaching and talking about these things. Are we believing for this in this church? You can believe for it in your church, but are we believing for it right here? Faith, Life, Church, Branson. Yes. That God's going to turn up the manifestation of His presence. Amen. Right? Yes. Would it suit you to pull into the parking lot and say, where's the church? I can't. Can you see the church? And the ushers will say, come here, give me your hand. I'll take it you to your seat. Huh? Yeah. Is that too far-fetched? No. It's not too far-fetched. We see in the book of Acts, manifestations of fire. The Bible said it was like tongues of fire were manifest and set on each one of them. Now, there are many different ways. These are some of the more spectacular manifestations of the glory. We don't want to get, you know, overly caught up in that because there's so much more to this than that. But we're believing for all these kind of things. Right? Right? Now, part of our getting ready for this, we touched on last week, and I want you to go back and look at it again. Turn with me to uh, Numbers, the 27th chapter, and I'll review a little bit while you're going there. Numbers 27. No, excuse me. Numbers 20. Then I think we'll go to 27. In talking about the glory of God... The Lord has said repeatedly that all the earth will be filled with his glory. And uh, these things have to come to pass before he comes back, right? And how many believe that we're living in the last days? We've got to be closer to the fulfillment of all these things than anybody's ever been. There's no debating that. And he said that, you know, the glory of God and the knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill the earth. And among other things, he said, all flesh will see it together. Amen. But he also said this last week. We talked about this. Isaiah 42. Don't turn there. Just listen. You're going to numbers 20, but Isaiah 42 says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another. Amen. Isaiah 48 said, I will not give my glory to another the New Testament first 1 Corinthians: 129 says, "No flesh should glory in his presence." One of the big things that we have to deal with is man seeking his own glory, and men, when I say men I'm talking about men and women, mixing their glory in with the glory of God. This is a big issue. So many times, people don't like to talk about it except to say, Yeah, give God all the glory. We don't take the glory. But then, so many times, they'll turn right around and do it in a subtle way. This is a big issue. It's a big problem. Don't think it's not. The nature of the flesh is to seek to be seen. Have you ever noticed that now? Well, it's getting quiet in here now. It's just a fact. You know, 1 John talks about three things. It talks about the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And that these things are of the world and not of God. Well, the pride of life has to do with the desire to be seen and noticed. And if you want the glory of God manifest on you, through you, you want to be involved in it, you have to rid yourself of this. Because you're seeking for yourself to be seen gets in direct way of God being seen. If people are looking at you, they're not looking at God. Did you hear me? If they're making a big deal out of you, then they're not making a big deal out of God. And that's not Okay. And what has happened in move of God, after move of God, after move of God, is that people try to take credit for it. They try to take the glory for it. It's like the political parties. If it's bad, they want to blame it on the other party. If it's good, they want to take credit for it. Right? And people don't understand that. They say, well, it's just American pride, but they want to give the glory To us as Americans. No, we should give the glory to God. I said we should give the glory to God. Not to ourselves. And in the church services and in meetings and in ministries. We must genuinely give God the glory. Or elsewise we limit ourselves and we disqualify ourselves from more. Now, without going through it again, we read about Nadab and Abihu back in Leviticus 10. Now, this is last week we talked about this. And we saw how that they praised God and they worshiped God and God manifested his glory. I mean, the cloud came and fire fell out of the sky and consumed all the offerings. You talk about spectacular supernatural. God's glory of his presence manifested was there, undeniable. And everybody, I mean, there was nobody in a rush to leave. Everybody was in awe. And then two of the top preachers, Nadab and Abihu, stepped out in front of the people and got their censers and put incense on and fire on it and came out and held up some fire. Why? God didn't tell them to do that. You have to watch about just doing something. There are times when God moves, you don't know what to do. That doesn't mean it's time for you to make up something. Did you hear me? Sometimes people feel like, well, we're on the air. We can't have dead air. If God's moving, it ain't dead. Right? Well, we got all these people looking. You know, i got to do something. No, there are times when the preachers need to do nothing. And the people don't need to try to come up with a bunch of things. You know, I've been in numerous services where the Spirit of God begin to move and everybody's quiet for a minute. And it's right for everybody to be quiet. But some folk can't stand that. they got to jump up and say something or do something. And so many times it's just flesh. And it gets in the way of what the Spirit is doing. But they jumped up and held their fire up. Why did they do that? They wanted to be seen. And they wanted to take credit for this spectacular thing that had happened. I mean, God moved and then you jump up and go, yeah, we believe this in. And we preach this in. And we're the ministers of fire. And they were dead. They got consumed, I mean the fire consumed them and they died right there on the spot. The same kind of thing happened in the New Testament with Ananias and Sapphira, didn't it? They waltzed up and said, well, you know, we've sold our land and we just want to give it all to the Lord. Why'd they do that? They could have come and said, we want to give half. That would have been fine. Why did they do that? Come on, help me out now. Why did they do that? <laughs> wanted to be seen. And they wanted to get glory of people. They wanted people to go, oh, did you hear about Ananias and Sapphira? Bless their hearts. I mean, they, you know, his daddy's place over there, 120 acres. That he had. They sold that and put the whole thing in the church. Aren't they wonderful people? Aren't they holy people? Well, they were dead people. Right? Why? Because they tried to take... See, God was moving in the church. How many remember reading about it in the book of Acts? God was moving and Barnabas sold everything he had and put it in the ministry. And people were doing that kind of stuff. How many understand these things are holy? You don't mock these things. You don't play with these. These things are holy. And then these people want to step up and try to get, you know, take advantage of the situation and and try to be seen and noticed. They want their time in the spotlight. They want to get up on the platform. They want everybody to know Ananias and Sapphira are doing something. I don't think we've seen how serious this kind of thing is. But I'm going to understand if it wasn't that serious, judgment would not have been so swift and so serious. There's a whole lot of things that God lets go. Right? He lets it go year after year after year. But some things are so serious, he dealt with it so severely. We've got to see things the way he does. Now we're getting ready, aren't we? We're getting ready for some strong, strong moves of God. And when God moves, we're not going to jump up. I'm not and you're not. Going to jump up and act like we did it. And act like we're the reason it's happening. Did you hear me? And take the credit and take the glory to ourselves. For numerous reasons, we're not going to do that. Notice here in Numbers 20, are you there? Numbers, the 20th chapter. This is the account where uh, Moses... And Aaron are leading the people. And the people are really being a pill. You know what I mean by that? Oh, man, they are really being ugly. They're crying, and they're whining, and they're blaming Moses and Aaron for everything. He said, you, you're going to kill all the people of the Lord. You, just, you brought us out here to die. We're all going to die in the wilderness. And we ain't got nothing fit to eat. And, and I mean, it was all night and all day. Well, that would get old, wouldn't it? And the Bible said, chapter 20, verse 2, there was no water. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses. And they spoke saying, would God we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Well I wish I would have just died. How many understand you should never say such a thing? I wish I would just die. First of all you're probably lying. You're just a big old whiny baby and you want some attention you want somebody to come and go oh no no don't say that well i hope nothing happens to me while you're gone <laughs> you should say well i hope so too and leave <laughs> don't pet powders amen all you're doing is helping them yield to the devil yes. did you hear me yes. don't do it <laughs> And the people chode against Moses. And verse 7, the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, you and Aaron your brother and speak to the rock before their eyes and it shall give forth his water and you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock so you shall give the congregation and the beast drink. How many understand this is a manifestation of the glory of God? This is a miracle. A spectacular miracle in the eyes of the public. Water instantaneously bursting forth and flowing out of a hard piece of rock. Right? This is a manifestation of the glory of God. Was God supposed to get glory out of this? Yeah. But notice what happened. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. So far so good. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to them. Hear now you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's this we stuff? We going to. Did you hear me now? This is serious. Sometimes people haven't noticed just one word. Can put you steps away from death and judgment. You bunch of rebels. I guess we're going to have to come get water out of this rock. Now what's that drawing attention to? Yourself. We're going to get water out of the rock. And. Moses lifted up his hand. And with his rod he smote the rock twice. He's put God in a challenging place. You understand what I mean by that? What does the Lord do now? Has anybody ever put you in a bad place? Like this? You you understand what I mean by that? If he doesn't bring the water out. It's going to look like he's not doing what he said he'd do. Right? If he does do it. This man is taking the glory to himself. The man didn't do exactly what he told him to do. He didn't do it the way. But the Lord brought the water out anyway. But. Moses is in trouble. Big time. Isn't he? Oh he's in trouble. Verse 12. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Aaron. Because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Man, that's strong. They've been through a lot, haven't they? They've been through a lot on their way to the promised land. They've done a lot of things right, haven't they? They stood up for the Lord before Pharaoh. They were there. God used them in all those signs and miracles. They're closer to going into the fullness of the blessing than they've ever been. I mean, it's just a few miles straight across the desert there. And God says, you're not going. Man, that's sobering. Why? Taking glory to yourself can disqualify you. For what God had already planned for you. He'd already called you to it. He'd already set it up for you. But taking the credit for things. Can disqualify you. So that even though it was the perfect will of God. And you were already on your way. You don't enjoy it. You don't get to it. Now that's reason enough. To take this thing very very seriously. Moses tried to change it. Years passed after this. And uh, why don't you turn with me back to uh, Deuteronomy 3, or over I should say, just a few pages over, to Deuteronomy 3, and notice, time after this, in Deuteronomy 3 and verse 23, Deuteronomy 3.23, Moses said, I besought the Lord at that time and I said, O Lord, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to your works? Deuteronomy 3.24, and according to your might, I pray you, let me go over and see the good land that's beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon, let's just stop right here. Is he wanting to go? This is what he was born for. Right? When God was protecting him as a baby floating down the Nile, keeping him from eating by crocodiles, it's because he had a destiny. Right? To lead God's people out of bondage. And not just out of bondage, but through the wilderness and into the promised Land. God had told him about a land that flows with milk and honey where you don't want or lack for any good thing. And now the Lord's told him, you're not going in. Years have passed. And I mean, they can see it. The border's right there. And Moses said, "Uh, Lord, you've done so much for us. And please, let me go in. We came this far. We came all this way. Let me go. What did the Lord say? Read it. The Lord was wroth for me. For your sakes. See the people. They have some culpability in the matter here. Because of acting like such heathen. Now he's responsible for his actions. But it could have been a different story. If they hadn't been acting the way they were too. Right? So they have some responsibility. And the Lord said to me, let it suffice you, speak no more to me of this matter. He said, don't bring it up again. Now the reason I read this is because I want it to sink into us how serious this is. And I know in times past I used to read that and I think, Lord, man, that seems... Hard, it seems, you know, he messed up. He hit the rock instead of speaking to it. You know, it could have happened to somebody else. He made a mistake. No, no, it was not a mistake. He tried to take glory for what was going on in that situation. He knew better. The Lord said, you did not sanctify me in the eyes of the people. What does that mean? Sanctify means to set apart. Everybody was supposed to see this is God doing this. Right? And he's supposed to get all the glory and all the credit. And you don't step up there and go, are we going to have to get water out of this thing for you bunch of rebellious rascals? Well, I guess we will. Whack. Nothing happened. Quack. And see, God has got his word on the line. He told them he's going to bring water out. So in spite of all this, he brings it out. But, everybody say but. But, but Moses and Aaron were disqualified from going into Canaan's land. I'm believing the Lord to teach us and to train us. Amen. So there's none of this false humility. Oh, it's no, it's not me. Now don't get your eyes on me. It's the Lord. See, a lot of that junk is just pride in disguise. It really is not you. You don't have to try to be humble. It's a fact. It's not you. Right? You don't deserve the credit. You don't deserve. A lot of times people are there like, well, you know, they feel like, well, I do deserve the credit, but I'm going to be humble and not take it. And we just know, I know I did it and I know I, you know, deserve the praise. But I'm just going to give all my praise to the Lord. <laughs> you're confused. And you're full of pride. You understand, people are proud of how humble they are. There's a lot of problems in these areas. But no. No. Do you have a desire to know what real humility is? Do you have a desire to glorify God truly? I mean, I have a desire for the services to be so strong with the glory of God that people could come and leave and not even know who I am. But they're just so impressed with God. They think, man, God was in that church. Woo, who was the preacher? I don't know, I saw him before, but God, who <laughs> God was there? God was there. Yes. That's what I'm desiring. Yes. You? Yes. Yeah. God can use you all over town, all over your workplace, where if God uses you to do things and people don't even know who you are, they don't even remember you. Does it matter? Because God remembers you. So it doesn't matter that they remember you. Jesus never failed to do what Nadab and Abihu and Moses and Aaron failed to do. Jesus never took the glory to himself. He always gave all the credit and all the glory to the Father God. Do you know Jesus never took credit for one message he preached? He never took credit for one healing? He never took credit for one miracle? Never, not one. Some people act surprised when you say that. No, read. Go back and read. Read the Gospel of John particularly. Read it carefully. You'll see how many times he says, it's not me, the Father in me, he does the works. My words are not mine, they're his that sent me. Is he trying to be humble? No, he is being truly humble. Right? None of this false junk. He said, I don't seek my own glory. I seek the glory of him that sent me. I don't speak my own words. I speak his words. I do what he tells me to do. I say what I hear him say. And the father in me. He does the works. He gets the glory. Amen. And his glory was in being used of the father. And of course the father has glorified him now. Far above. Every name that is named. And every knee must bow. Well that's where our glory is too. Not in being seen ourselves, But in being used of him. When he's glorified, that's when we should be happy. When we should be satisfied. Can you say amen? Amen. Are you believing with me on this now? To see more about this. Oh, there's so many things here. Help me, Lord. Go with me to the book of Acts, please. This desire to be seen. Have you ever recognized it in your own life? Yes. <laughs> Phyllis calls it show and tell. <laughs> Sometimes something goes, she says, Ah, it was too much show and tell in that. What do you mean? Well, they were trying to show off. They were conscious that people are looking at me. You know, when I think about the pride of life and I think about the desire to be seen, I think about myself as a teenager. I had this ritual I'd go through on the weekend. See if you recognize any of it. I had my little car and it had to be clean, spotless. Engine had to be tuned just right so that it'd thump real good. When you drive around the square, yeah. at you, at you, at you, when you race it, you know, I mean, it'd vibrate the windows in the storefront. Got to sound good. The uh, wheels have got to be clean. Tires have got to be clean. And then when you get the car just right, you got to work on you. Uh You know, go hit the barbells. Go, you know, do a bunch of curls. Get the bicep looking good. Of course, you wear a tight shirt. Get the hair looking good. And then you go to town. Now, you go where you know the people are hanging out, right? You don't go out in the country, you know, you go to the square where you know all the guys in their cars and you know the girls will be there. And so you drive around the square and you kind of slide down and you hang your arm out the window. So it makes your arm look bigger, you know, because... And you pull around the square. Now you don't look at the people. You don't look at the people. You want them to look at you. But you don't look, you act like you don't know that they're there, you know, and you pull up and you know everybody's there, you know they're looking, so you race your car, whoopah, whoop-ah! and you look over. And you go ahead and rumble on around. I saw you. Oh, you did. Yeah, I saw you. Oh, yeah. yeah." What is that? (laughs) What is that? It's pride of life. It's the desire to be seen, to be noticed, for somebody to go, whoo, man, it's a bad car. whoo. You want the girls to say, he's cute. (laughs) You want the guys to say, he's tough. But you want somebody to notice you. Now, it would be fine if you grew out of that when you was 15. (laughs) But that would be wishful thinking. (laughs) Because 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds have just as bad a case of it. So many times. Why? Because they never dealt with it in their life. Sometimes we're never even taught how bad this is and how it can rob you from the will of God in your life. God does something for you. You dare not take credit for it. Did you hear me? And it's a subtle thing in the church. We got prayers taking credit for all the people getting saved. We got preachers taking credit for strong and prosperous churches. We got people right in left. They do it in subtle. Well, we prayed them in. Well, we preached them up to that place. Well, we believed it to that place. Well, hold on, hold on. Where's God in this? If you pray that's good you'll be rewarded if you preach that's good you'll be rewarded but unless god had done something nothing would have happened nothing would have come to pass all the effort we can muster and put together is nothing so when it happens when something good happens and results came that's why you hear around here every service virtually we stand up and say god did this let me tell you about what god did god did this he healed this one and he paid this off and why? We want to give him the glory. Right? And that's a lot of times why we don't use any names either. Right? Why? We don't want any distractions. Everybody doesn't have to know what you do. God knows. Where are you right now? Yeah. <laughs> Go to Matthew. Matthew. Wait on Acts right now. Well, I, you know, time. And the Lord's leading. Matthew. <laughs> Some of you saw yourself when I described that car deal there. Were you? <laughs> Mate, you know, it was a little different for you than that. But you know the spirit of it, right? I mean, it's the girls have their own thing. And no matter what age you are, what gender or background, it's something. You know, you know the spirit of it. And the reason I went through some of that detail, I want you to recognize that in yourself so that when you sense it and you realize I'm doing that for them to notice me, I'm doing that for somebody to see me, then you need to get a hold of it right then and quit it. Did you hear me? And if you need to, you go home and hide yourself in the closet for a little while, miss a meal or two. Humble yourself. Work on this because it can cost you the perfect will of God in your life. How many believe Moses is a good man? Aaron's a good man. Did they love God? Oh, the most used men of God in their generation. No debate about that. But I don't care who you are. You can't get in these high visibility situations like this and take credit for what God is doing without it being so serious. God has to do something about it. He can't let that happen. Has to. In Matthew, I think we can close up with this. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus is very specific in teaching about these things. Matthew 6, verse 1, he said, take heed. And when the Lord says that, what should you do? Probably today, what would we say? We'd probably say, watch out. Watch out. Watch out for this. That you do not your alms before men. Why? Same to be seen of them. Otherwise what? No now man that's strong. Yeah. Is that so? If you tell somebody what you gave. And you did it in order for them to ooh and ah over you. Is it true that you get no reward for that? Jesus said it. Has to be so. And uh, skip on down to verse 5. And when you pray. You shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets upon the square. Why? Why? See, when you're praying, you don't pray for other people's benefit. You're not uh, standing there thinking about they're listening to me pray. Let those people pray. And they're praying to somebody over God's shoulder. Right? That's not okay. He said they do this to be seen of men. Verily I say to you. They have their reward. But you when you pray. Enter into your closet when you've shut your door. Pray to your Father which is in secret, and the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Well, you're sure not doing it for man, because nobody sees you in there. You're not saying it for anybody else's benefit, because nobody can hear you. Right? But the Lord sees you, and he'll reward you. You know, that's why the Bible said to skip right over to the 23rd chapter, Matthew 23. Matthew 23. He was reproving them. And he said to these religious leaders, verse 5, 23, 5, he said, all their works they do for what? To be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. Now those were borders that they had around their robes and lords the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts. And chief seats in the synagogues. Now it's okay to want to sit up front. So you're close to the action and you can hear the word. It's not okay to try to position yourself so that you get some camera time. And so that somebody might notice you. You're already in the flesh and not in a mode of receiving. Right? Right? They love the uppermost rooms at the feast and chief seats in the synagogue. Now, see, he's describing people who everything they do, they do it for to be seen. And he mentioned how they dress. It's all right to dress nice. But don't dress just for somebody else to try to make them notice you, to try to prove I'm prosperous, I'm this, I'm that. We don't know how you got those clothes. Right? You might be paying 21% interest on your credit card for that little dress or suit. Right? Could have nothing to do with prosperity. But on the other hand, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. But you don't do it to be seen and to be noticed. Somebody says that looks nice. You look nice. That's great. But you don't see. Now you can tell how much it means to you. If you leave and nobody noticed you had a new dress. And it upset you. Then you know you got a problem. Nobody commented on your new suit. And it aggravates you. Well then it shows you. You were doing it to be seen. At least a portion of it you wanted to be seen and noticed. And that's not okay. And he said they love the prime seats. They love the most visible seats. I've seen so much flesh over seats. I've seen preachers just act ignorant over reserved seats. I'm supposed to have reserved seats. Said who? Who said you were? Preachers, listen to me, I don't care where you go, I don't care what's going on, don't you presume that you're supposed to receive preferential treatment. If the Lord told you to go there, if you have to sit in the back, you sit in the back. He told you to go, you go. I've seen people live, if they couldn't have a front seat, they don't stay at the meeting. You're kind of glad they went too. Because folk like that are not going to help you spiritually in the meeting. They are a liability, not an asset. They're there to be seen. And there's a whole lot of people, if they don't get the best seed, if they don't get the treatment, they ain't coming. Which shows they were doing it to be seen. He goes on to say, And be not called rabbi, for one is your master. Even Christ and all you are brothers. Call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father. Which is in heaven. Neither be called masters. For one is your master. Even Christ. What's he talking about here? Titles. Titles. I can't find one place. In the New Testament. Where they use titles for each other. Like we do. The apostle Paul. He never referred to himself that way. He said he is an apostle. Are you with me now? Is it okay. For us to call our preachers. Father so and so. It's a direct violation of what Jesus said. Then why would it be okay to call them apostle or teacher? Maybe they are a teacher. They are an apostle, but you don't use the title. Are you with me now? I don't use the title reverend. It's just another title. I know some people think this is strange, but is it Bible or not? See, you read this and make up your mind for yourself. That's the conclusion I've come to. And I don't feel the need for a title. I don't care for it. Right? We're brothers. Right? God uses me one way. He uses you another way. But we're all in this together. Right? And these titles, you see where it gets wrong. When people, if you don't use a title for them and it bothers them, then that reveals... What's in them? They say, that's pastor so-and-so to you. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Excuse us. Pastor so-and-so is in that. Oh, it's apostle so-and-so. Oh, it's prophet (laughs) so-and-so. I find no place in the Bible that teaches us that we should use these characters. We are to give honor to whom honor is due. But the Lord specifically told us not to use these titles. And there's a reason why. Are you with me now? No. Brother is an honorable reference. Right? To call each other brother. And that's what he said do. Glory to God. You're all brothers and you don't have to use all these titles. You don't have to use titles, period. Let's just talk about God and draw attention to him. And not make a big deal out of each other. We don't have to hang a big title around you. Just love God and be used of God and have fruit. And when a peach tree is producing big, huge, luscious peaches, you do not have to put a big neon sign out in front and say, peach tree. Right? Everybody knows it's a peach tree. How you know? Got the peaches right there, right? And what does it matter if you put a big sign on something and there ain't no fruit? What does that mean? No No. No. Stand on your feet, please. I've gone long enough I want to lead you in a prayer we're getting ready I said we're getting ready we're preparing for the great moves of God we're going to already be primed to give him all the glory give him all the credit know that we don't have to pop up and say something all the time we don't have to be seen we don't have to be noticed give him the glory because if I'm looking at you, and if you're looking at me, we're not looking at God. Close your eyes and say it out loud, Father God, I worship you. Teach us, train us, show us how to be rid of the desire to be seen, to be noticed, pride, and ungodliness. Alert us to it. Anytime we begin to speak of ourselves in a wrong way, to put ourselves forward for to be seen, check us. Help us to see it. By your grace, we'll stop it in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would be the most seen, the most exalted. The most glorified in everything in our lives, in every service, in this place, in every part, in the singing, in the preaching, in the offerings, in the ministry, in the facilities, in every outreach. Oh, we pray. Let yourself be seen. To yourself, to yourself be the glory, not to us, not to us but unto you. Unto you. Be, all glory, be all the glory, all the praise, all the, praise. All the, adoration, all the adoration, for you are, you are worthy. And we give it to you, you, to you. Freely. Freely. freely, freely. Come on and lift your hands and praise him Sometime, Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.